Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Good day. Hello. 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 How are you? How, I'm good. How are you? I, yeah, Jinx, we were going to ask the same thing. <laughs> good. I think, you know, just quite a lot more of a relaxing weekend than I generally have. Like, still busy, lots of stuff, but there was lots of like, you know, we had cheese. I had cheese with a good friend. It was oh, so nice. Cheese. Oh, I know. Don't get me started about cheese. On <gasps> <laughs> oh, gosh. Now I had this like really, really like, you know, those really bitter, like gorgonzola, like really, mm. and it's a, it's like a little bit too much even for me. So I'm thinking, mm. how do I do, is there such a, like a Google search of like, how do you incorporate like a really bitter, like gorgonzola into like some cooking so you don't waste the cheese anyways. So oh, yeah, make a nice, um, make a nice soup and put it in. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, mm. you are the queen of soups. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could do like a nice um, cauliflower cheese. Oh, I have a head of cauliflower in my fridge. That's really good. Sorted. Oh, that's uh, that's dinner sorted for Anna. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> okay, all right, that's a good idea. All right. So, how was um, your weekend? Um, yeah, it was good, thank you. Um, I had a bit of an impromptu night out on Friday that I wasn't expecting mm. to have. Oh, um, and then I was super lazy for the rest of the week. So, oh. or the rest of the weekend, should I say? Um, so I've had to make up for it today and be oh. a bit more productive and on it. Oh, and you did say that you had to clean your house this morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's a I'm lot. On it. I'm on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's something about like, you know, if it has been a minute since you've cleaned your shower, there's something about like having a shower after you've cleaned the shower. Mm. You're like, wow, this feels terrific. Like a hotel. Yeah. It's like getting into um, clean bed sheets. Nothing like it. Oh, nothing like it. Oh my mm. God. Happens kind of infrequently. Yeah, I'm not a fastidious person. Yeah, mm. not a, not like like things are. I think orderly, uh, but nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. We don't have schedules in my household of one. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, the best way to live. No schedule. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so you were saying that you are going on a special journey this coming weekend. You are. I am. I'm off to visit my daughter for the weekend. Oh yeah. So. Do you have a sense that when you're going to be visiting your daughter, that you guys are going to be like partying, that you're going to be like, she's going to be showing you all the places and she'll be spending my money. That's what she'll be doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> okay, so maybe not that lavish. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. need to rein her in a bit. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to going to her and uh, yeah. yeah, just fingers crossed that everything's okay with flights and uh, mm. don't get tracked and traced before I have to leave. <laughs> oh, gosh. And not to have the, 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 you know, this travel advisory come in like, yeah. anyways, because anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, fingers crossed. All right. Good, mm. good. Okay. All right. So, if you're open to it, if you're at the desk, can we go and see what the relationship desk of love is cooking up? Oh, let's indeed. Mm -hmm. So following on from the hot topic last week when we talked about gaslighting, I came mm -hmm. across a story about a TikTok that had gone viral, which was all mm. about this secret, um, this secret hand maneuver to enlighten somebody without telling them to the fact that you need help oh. from domestic abuse. 
Okay, tell me more. So I thought it was important to share it. Um, mm-hmm. So this hand signal, um, imagine if you're putting your hand up to say stop. Yeah. And then you put your thumb down so it goes across oh. your palm. And then yeah. you close your four fingers over it. So oh. your kind of fist looks like it's you're holding your fist up in the air. So yeah. what I'll do is put a link in the show notes oh. to the article that I was reading it because it shows you a video. Um, and it, in this video, it says it, it explains that this is a way to to communicate that you've got a problem without, you know, without drawing any sort of attention. Mm. So, so in this video, she's talking about, oh, yeah, can you give me that uh, recipe for that? Um, mm. great banana bread that your grandma makes and uh, and she mm. just kind of puts her hand in front of her body and you can see somebody kind of moving around in the background mm. but they can't see kind of like what's happening so mm-hmm. um, and it also reminded me of something I read a few weeks ago where um, it was a story from a long time ago but it was about a, um, an air, air steward who managed mm. to spot that a young girl was oh. being human trafficked and um, she put a note in the in the bathroom to say, "Do you need help?" And oh. um, and the girl responded and said, "Yes, she did." And they managed to then ring the um, you know radio to the police authorities for where they were landing, <gasps> and the guy got arrested all because of her diligence in um, oh. spotting it. Oh my god! <gasps> so, this is both exciting but also terrifying. Because well, it is terrifying. Trafficking yeah. and abuse is just so ubiquitous. Yeah. It's going on all around us. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. And it was mm. Domestic um, Violence Awareness Month in October. Mm. So mm. I think it's good that we carry on um, talking about these things and that mm. we recognize that there is a way if we are struggling to be able to, to call that out to somebody in a kind of safe way. Mm. It said if you do receive that type of signal so in the article it advised that you then kind of text back to offer support and but anything that doesn't involve the um the victim having to share something that the perpetrator might pick up on Mm -hmm. so being really really subtle in your Mm -hmm. responses back to be able to then kind of offer help and offer support Mm. oh wow gosh oh this is so this is so topical Mm. there was a there was a shooting in the in the western part of Canada, uh, involving a, a man, and he killed a, a few, and one of them is his wife. And it would have been, you know, you know, and it, it, with he's sort of known in the gun community and that sort of thing. And of course, you know, it was shootings and so forth. So just, and you can tell that this was just the culmination of just years of abuse and yeah. just, you know, awful, awful stuff. And it's dangerous stuff. People lose, women lose their lives. People yeah. lose their lives. It's just, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, just you know keep your eyes and ears peeled and offer support and if you are struggling don't struggle any longer than you need to really kind of reach out for help there's lots of different groups that you can go to um Mm. to get help and support it's not something that you should be um you know staying put and dealing with on your own Mm. yeah well said yeah oh that's helpful Yeah, yeah it's very very helpful I do like that, you know, we do have some, you know, very lighthearted topics sometimes, but I think that, you know, last weekend and this week, we certainly, um, you know, go to the hard hitting places, which is important because in relationship, you know, there's a lot that we can coach around, but there's just a lot where we just need to help folks get out. So, yeah. you know, that's, uh, yeah. we cover the whole gamut. And I think, you know, this whole this whole thing about one person having control over another person, like it totally goes mm. against my um, 
my value system. I just, it's the one mm. thing that I can't get my head around and I really, really struggle to see what, how mm. anybody in any shape or form can have kind of too much control over somebody else. You know, mm. in relationships that the, ordinarily if you're in a healthy relationship there's going to be this kind of give and take and sometimes somebody will have a little bit more kind of sway than mm. than the other party but over time that should be quite equal you should be equal partners you're trusted in the relationship you um you know both should have an equal say in what in what's happening and how things are and where mm-hmm. you've got this overt control from one side it's not that's not healthy it's not a good place to be mm-hmm. i really I, yeah. I, it's something i personally struggle with yeah Absolutely. Mm. Oh, yes. Well said. Mm. Mm-hmm. All so, right. To Thank you. A hot topic. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So today's hot topic is how to not let herpes ruin your sex life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's a nice after dinner uh, conversation, right? There you go. Absolutely herpes. <laughs> you know, there's about as many people, at least let's say my side of the world, North America or Canada, US, the percentage of people who have genital herpes is about as many as have green eyes, about 12% of the population. Well, I have green eyes, but I'm Definitely don't think I've got herpes. I have green eyes too. I know. I've got green eyes too. I didn't know that. How cool is that? How did two green eyed, that's only 12% of the population, how did we get onto a podcast together? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, see, so that there you go, right? If you and I, who have green eyes, they just, we just come together. 12% is a lot of the population. Yeah. Yeah. But yet it hides in the shadows. Herpes Mm. hides in the shadows. Yeah. So give us a bit of a doctor's lowdown on this one then. Yeah, so herpes is a virus. It's transmitted by skin-to-skin contact. So that's skin-to-skin mouth, that's skin-to-skin genitals. You can transmit mouth to genitals, genitals to mouth. So there's two types of uh, HSV or herpes, HSV1 and 2. Long story short, though, like, you know, genital herpes in in the more sort of prominent cases can cause like a really painful rash that sort of you know, comes out, especially at times of stress. And, um, and it can be the, the tricky thing about herpes. It's a, yeah, it's a little, uh, sneaky thing. It, it can, it'll come flare out and it'll kind of, it'll kind of hide in the base of your, the, the nerve cells in this particular, in the, in, in your body. And so it'll kind of just flare up sort of as and when it wants to, but we can't actually get rid of it. Like we haven't mm. cured herpes yet, which is a pain in the ass. We've sent people to space, but yet we can't figure out <laughs> how to cure herpes. Um, so yeah, so it's a real, it's a real pain. It's actually really common. Um, and it's, it's devastating because I, I, you know, it's devastating. It's devastating when you're first diagnosed with it because there's just mm. so much stigma and you hear about all these things. But I, I, I see people at the, at the start, like in their diagnosis. And then I see people sort of in maintenance as they're just sort of picking up their oral antiviral prescription and be like, yeah, I need some more of that. Just sort of because there's various sort of medications you can take to sort of like lessen your symptoms or prevent from shedding to another partner. So um, it is actually no big deal. But when folks first find out that they have herpes, it is it is devastating. Um, And so. I'm curious and interested about sort of lessening the shame and stigma because if if you and I with green eyes were like, you know, shunned and could never have sex again, we'd be like, that's kind of unfair because 12% of the population is just like us. Mm. But I suppose <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can get it that if you, 
suddenly find that you've got this and you know that it's something you can never get rid of and you know you can transmit it to somebody else I can completely understand why that would feel like you could never have sex again yeah yeah and well and I think we can feel that um I find consistently that the people who are devastated about partners, about the stigma and the shame, it's all women. Um, I almost always don't see men in. I don't know what they just don't notice or whatever. And if I have seen men in for, um, and the, you know, new diagnosis of herpes, they're always like, which so-and-so last partner did I get this from? Mm. So they're all, they're always sort of their, their first, I find that men tend to sort of think about like, who gave this to me and let me go and punish mm. them or whatever. And then when women get diagnosed, they're like, oh my God, who have I given this to? I don't want to ever give it to anybody else. I will remain in the nunnery all my life because I'm just devastated and embarrassed and mm. shamed. It's a very weird gender difference. And so, mm. um, you know, part of my work with patients is to start to educate them about like how, you know, sex after herpes diagnosis. It's great, you know. Just certain precautions and considerations. So tell tell us then, what do we need to do then? So if we suddenly, I I come and I suddenly find out I've got this diagnosis, and um and I'm devastated, and I think it's the end of my sex life forever. Yeah. What do I need Aww. to do then in that situation, other than have a massive cry? Yeah, massive <laughs> cry is really important. Having a really big glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. So once I've got over all of that, yeah. like, what, what is it like? How do I? How do I carry on having a healthy sex life? Right. Well, interim step, book another appointment with your doctor two weeks after because you'll have gone on Google and found all this crap. So go back to your doctor so we can tell you like Google sucks. The internet is evil. That's not true. Da 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 da. So I usually take two visits to Mm. sort of like offload all the crap that people have picked up from late night searches. So after you've done that step, then, you know, the biggest thing is usually, usually, not always, usually... The first outbreak is, is is severe and it's probably the most painful and the most symptomatic. One of the things, it, we don't know when you'll have another flare or an outbreak. And sometimes like the first year or so, you can have a few more than you might later on. Um, so the, the big thing that I do is I give folks a prescription for an, a, a medication that they can start taking if and when they start to feel these sort of classic symptoms that they're having a flare. So that's things like tingling sensation will often be sort of like that first sign that they're getting another um, outbreak. And so I, I give them enough medications uh, of a relatively safe medication that's kind of available all over, all over the world. So they have it in their control. So it's all about power, right? Like mm. I have a medication, it's at my pharmacy. And when I feel I need that I, I need to go, I will do so. Um, the other thing is like the big thing is communicating with a partner. That's like the biggest, right? So Mm. if, if they have a current monogamous partner, there's a very tricky conversation. It's also tricky because like, I have had people who are like, I've had one partner this whole year, different entire year. What am I doing? Having a first outbreak now that gets very tricky. So, you know, maybe you've had a tiny outbreak you didn't notice, and maybe you thought you cut yourself shaving, and actually it was a tiny herpes uh, outbreak. So lots lots of stuff. There's, there's, And this is where our lane begins, right? Like communicating to a partner about a very difficult topic, yeah. like herpes. And then for folks who are single and they're dating, then the question becomes, what's my responsibility uh, to prevent transmitting herpes to other people? Well, you know, the thing is, is like, 
you can shed virus when you don't have symptoms, which is really tricky. Um, and there's a number of things. And again, talk to your doctor because there are, you know, condoms are great. They don't cover all the surface area because, again, it's skin to skin. So that's not like 100 percent. But condoms are always great. So that's always a great place to start. Um, there is a method of taking an antiviral pill every day to suppress so if you're in a relationship or if you're dating and you really want to make sure that you're not transmitting herpes, you can take a fairly safe medication every day to prevent the chance of shedding virus to a sexual partner. So there are lots, lots of options for you. It's just, it all gets into the coaching realm because it's all about how do I access my options and lessen the shame? Because mm. at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. It is something that, you know, where it's it's treatable there's there's manageable things in terms of prevention um and at the end of the day like when we have sex with people it's never a zero-sum game like there's never no risk sexual activity there's all like any method of a condom for sti prevention or a birth control method it's never 90 it's never 100 percent it's mm. 90 something percent so you 99. know 99.99 percent though <laughs> 99.99 yeah, 0 0.05. Yes, for your IUDs, for sure. But like the pill, the average efficacy of the pill is 92%. That means that eight people out of 100 will get pregnant on the pill in every year. Like it's, it's crazy. Like those are very shockingly kind of mediocre odds, right? But mm. yet, yeah. So, you know, there's always risk. Like, and the thing is, is that we don't want to lock ourselves up. We want to enjoy human experiences, right? And so mm -hmm. enjoying human experiences usually comes with some sort of risk. So, you know, you, you make sure that you do all that you can within reasonable measure to prevent and to lower the risk. But at the end of the day, we also have to connect in, in a healthy way. And sex is part of that. So, um, yeah. But I guess it's something that's quite tricky, isn't it? To kind of think that, I could still take precautions, I could still do things in the right way, but there's still a chance that I'm going to infect my partner. Yeah. And that is where communication comes in. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of folks are like, well, I guess I'm not going to tell my partner, or I'm going to try to hide it or, and certainly for casual partners, like there's a, the question is, is like a need to know, like if you have a casual partners, you, you have genital herpes. Um, whether you're like you're using condoms and possibly considering to take an oral medication every day to prevent transmission, then the question becomes, do I have to, t if I'm doing all the relative, you know, all the reasonable things to prevent transmission, do I have to tell them that I have herpes? Ar arguably not. It's a need to know basis. But if you're in a relationship with somebody, herpes is, is a great, and I've, you know, I've worked with patients on this, like herpes is a great excuse to start to get really hard-hitting communication in your relationship because there's a lot of couples who've never had to talk anything about anything serious yeah to have to start with herpes is kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like getting jumped in you know dumped in cold water but um you know I think I would say whether you're in a um long-term relationship or whether it's just a kind of casual thing I would say surely you have to be honest with the other person because mm -hmm. if there's a chance that you're going to pass something on that then mm -hmm. affects the rest of their life, then you can't, right. you have to date responsibility and you have to be honest. Right. Would be where I would come from. Yeah. But then I have quite strong boundaries and rules around sex and around yeah. visiting yeah. the sexual health clinic and around, you know, having full knowledge of, 
for oh, tapping in yes. in your body. So um, yeah. for anybody that hasn't heard it or you've missed any of the previous episodes, um, so I have a six-month rule and um, before that then you use um, contraception and condoms and then after that you then um, go and visit sex clinic, get a little health check. Yeah. As long as everything's clear, fine and dandy, then it's fine to go without a raincoat. Yeah, without the raincoat. <laughs> as long as you're using other protection to prevent you from having a baby, um, yes. if that's not what you want to do. Um, yes, so I think yeah. for me, I take my I take my own sexual health quite seriously. And mm-hmm. I would be completely pissed if somebody knowingly slept with me and knew that they did have something. And I think so. And this is like the lovely sort of buffet table of sexual encounters. So some folks for sure are much more measured. So they have one sexual partner. Um, There are others, though, who, again, in the world of Tinder, like you're dating casually, you might have multiple sex partners in a month. And, you know, and as a physician, we sort of we consider that high risk. So we're always going to be doing a lot more education and a lot more screening, a lot more testing. But the reality is for many, there may be many casual encounters. So just to sort of meet folks where they're at, certainly like it's a beautiful thing that your six month rule is like awesome. It's it's awesome. It's like one at a time, one partner at a time. And you're going to be um, having a conversation like because that six month rule and including the health clinic, it's also doing a screening with each other. Like, have you had any genital sores, any herpes, any, have you t- ever tested positive for any, you know? Yeah. Um, but the beautiful thing about COVID is that everyone is getting, and I'm hearing this from patients, everyone is getting a lot more communicative. So back in our day, you'd kind of just have sex without talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's probably gonna, you know, but for me, that, that was my early twenties. Like you didn't want to like, I didn't even like, you didn't want to like ruin the mood by like, putting the lights on and being like, hey, can we have a talk about STIs? That would never have happened because there was a lot of stuff that wasn't within our agency. So these days people are sitting down and being like, so what's okay? What's not okay? Because now one of the most deadly bodily fluids now is saliva because Mm. of COVID. So dating after COVID and in COVID is a, it's, it is giving everybody license to sit down, calm down, put your clothes on, turn the lights on and say, what do you got? And start to ask pointed mm. questions about like, you know, STIs, which is incredible and yeah. unprecedented. I think I like to hope that the younger generation are just a bit more kind of with it, as you say, than we were when we were younger. And I think you're right. We didn't necessarily, we didn't have open conversations about it. You didn't really read stuff in the press about it. Like, yeah, I, I you know, it seems like every two minutes you turn on your, your phone and there's something on there that's related to sex or sexual diseases or mm-hmm. sex positions. So I think you, and you look at some of the programs that are on television now and um, and, I, and I think some of that is connected with, with kind of Netflix as opposed to um, normal terrestrial TV. Like mm-hmm. there just seems to be like a lot more kind of liberal um, programs that are quite openly talking about sex so I like to hope that that gives kind of a younger generation a bit more of a voice to be able to have some of those difficult conversations. Yeah but none of these programs are sitting down and spending time with a couple as they negotiate sexual safety and consent like they're all there's not a single show that I've seen is when they have this boring talk about you show me your papers I'll show you mine and what well, is no, consent Well no because that doesn't make very good tv right? Exactly. <laughs> but 
but but what what there is is just a lot more information about sex which I think part of the issue about communicating is knowing the right words to use and knowing the right language and how to approach things and I think there's a lot more information out there about how to do that and how to have some of those Mm -hmm. more difficult conversations now whether people are taking that up or not I don't know which is why I say I like to hope that people kind of access that and and get kind of more on board with it and we've talked before on this program about how liberating it is to take control of your own um of your own sexuality of your own sex life and your own sexual health and Mm -hmm. doing that is actually kind of is really liberating and some you know a lot of the time I complain about being a grown-up, but things like that, actually, it's great being a grown-up because um, because I know how to have those conversations that maybe yeah. I didn't kind of know about when, when I was younger, as is, is, you know, you were saying, it wasn't really yeah. something that was in the vocabulary to kind of have a bit of a discussion. Um, I mean, that said, I've always been quite strict on kind of sex rules. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I was younger, you know, it was when um, kind of AIDS just really came about and it absolutely mm-hmm. terrified the life out of me. I've got mm-hmm. to say, um, and I think because of that, that had kind of, I suppose, a, something negative had a, had a positive impact on me in terms of mm-hmm. actually taking control and not um, ever wanting to be in a in in a kind of difficult situation like that. So, mm-hmm. um it, you know, it is interesting the way that different things can kind of impact on you. Yeah. And that's, I mean, uh, and that's a very positive impact, which has led to your, to your rules. And I, I think that's always the best case scenario. And I, I will say that it's in certain populations that I, it is very surprising that, that especially women were still, and, and young women, you know, late mm. teens, early twenties are still feeling at the mercy of their partner, uh, and not feeling in the driver's seat in yeah. these sexual encounters. It mm. is it is shocking. Um, there's still so much. And I, there's kind of like, th- this is a really big thing over here, is, is there are like sexual assaults on college campuses are astonishingly, yeah. astonishingly high. Like just these like epidemic proportions. So, I mean... We just have so much more to learn. Yeah, no, and I get, and I do get that. And um, you know, there was some shocking stories uh, about a year ago. I remember before my daughter went to university about um, gang raping and drugging people in mm-hmm. um, in nightclubs. At the minute, there's something around um, kids getting actually getting kind of injected in their arms. So people are oh using syringes God. to <gasps> so they stopped spiking people's drinks and now kind of. Oh my good God. Actually injecting them, um, which is t- which is terrifying. And again, it comes back yeah. to we, we kicked off the podcast talking about control. That is, you know, mm. a f- it's a form of, of control over somebody else that you just don't have any right to do. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I don't don't even think I can get into the subject because it really, really, really annoys me. Mm. Um, but nobody has the right to do that, I think, mm-hmm. over anybody else. You just don't. And no matter what the kind of backstory yeah. is you do not have the right and um mm-hmm. and it's not really humanistic to go and uh take control over somebody else oh 100 so yeah. but let's get back to um to herpes <laughs> i don't know why that <laughs> well, it's now all related feels, that now feels like a safer subject yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so yeah. back to herpes then so the situation is so we've, we know that there's some medical things you can do um yeah. but the crux of it is i think around kind of this discussion so how mm-hmm. do we really kind of bring this up so we're kind of 
you know, I found out that I've got this and then I'm kind of, I'm now, I'm still in the dating world and I want, still want to meet somebody. So what do I do? How do I approach this? Yeah, it's a good question. So the, it's amazing how, uh, herpes can actually teach you a lot about somebody that you're dating, for example. Mm. And this is, you know, this gets to raising the bar in terms of what we expect from a partner, um, and not trying to be the easiest, most, oh, I'm up with anything sort of person in the dating world. As I coach folks in terms of dating, it's all about raising the bar, not lowering the bar, mm. raising it. So one of those things can be early on on a date is to say, hey, so, you know, I like to have my STI discussion up front. It's always nice to sort of go out for a coffee on a sort of Sunday afternoon and it's just sort of light out and it's, you know, very neutral territory and, and you know, and, and invite somebody who you're dating casually or whatnot before you've ever had sex is, is, uh, or somebody who you think, yeah, I think I want, would want to have sex with them, but you know, so put it on the table with something like, Hey, so I'd love to have an STI discussion with you. How would you feel about that? Get the permission to, you know, go in there and, mm. you know, and, and you might say, okay, so here are my cards on the table. So, you know, and, and some people might have other things going on, like, you know, some abnormal paps that they're sort of in the process of getting sorted out and all that. But yeah, it's just say, you know, I have genital herpes. What do you feel about that? I, I feel great about it. I have, you know, sort of managed it and I sort of know how to, I'm happy to answer questions, mm. but that's my card on the table. Um, and you know, what are, what are your cards on the table? And then, you know, and, uh, and it sounds horrifying to say this because the biggest fear is, oh, this person won't want to sleep with me. Yeah. This poor person won't want to date me. And the hardest thing is like, this is, this is not the reason why somebody should not date you or have sex with you. If they are not wanting to have sex with you or date you, it's because of big other red flags that have nothing to do with herpes. Or, or perhaps though if they don't know kind of anything about it or don't understand what the implications are or so there right. could be that side of it as well right. and in which case you know I'm sure there are plenty of um, sexual health clinics that you can go to where you can have some conversations yeah. you can get educated you can find out if it's something that is is right for you or not but mm-hmm. and I guess here's the the thing if you um anything that happens where you have a conversation with a potential partner and um and that is then kind of a you know a hard no for them then that just means that relationship is not right for you so this could come up on a number of things so we've talked before about um you know couples who who don't want children you know some people want children some people don't like so there's all kinds of um of you know, sometimes um, cultures and religions can get in the way. You know, there's all kinds of things that are there to influence a relationship. And this, mm-hmm. I think, is maybe just one of those. And but if it, if it is a hard no from that potential partner, then they're not the, then they're not the right person for you. Yeah. And it's and that can feel quite tricky, I think, to navigate. And and this is where we get into yeah. this whole kind of um, shame cycle, or I'm not yeah. good enough. Like, you know, you are good enough. There's you've just you know, you've got this thing that that won't go away and you're being responsible to manage it. And that is the thing to take away from the conversation. I'm a responsible person and I don't want to unknowingly um, affect somebody else's life. That makes you a good person. Absolutely. And and if somebody has declined you because of or after you have disclosed uh, herpes, it is not because of the herpes. And and that person, if it wasn't that, they would have, they would have, 
you know, perhaps they're seeking convenience, perhaps they're not in the in the mindset to, to commit to something serious. And, mm. you know, again, and you may not be looking for something serious, but let's say you are, is, you know, this is somebody who if you're raising kids together and, and your kid is screaming with like colic three in the morning or they have like an ear infection and, and you need a teammate to come scoop the kid up and pack them up and go to the emergency department like that that is stress and that's going to be happening for many parents like eight nine times over this over this winter season so like when you bring up something that is just a bit challenging to somebody and they mm. head for the hills that is not the person that you're going to be doing the hard stuff and being in the trenches of like for example being a parent together or yeah. taking care of a sick family member um you know life is offers us up a lot of challenging stuff and the last thing that we want to do is to to sort of present that we're easy or that we're low maintenance or that we're not going to be a trouble to anybody be a trouble because <laughs> life is going to be hard and you want a partner to be in the trenches yeah so yeah. It sounds weird, but I have herpes can be a great screening statement because <laughs> if you're a douche who's looking for something easy and you're not ready to really live life together, then be on your way. Yeah. And that and that's it's the hardest thing to sort of um, to to not feel rejection, yeah. like a personal rejection mm. um, and to feel like, oh, I'll never have sex again. I'll never find a partner again. No, that's not true. But you'll certainly screen out some major assholes. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Some yeah. very good reframing there, Anna. It's a big asshole scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I venture to say, like, it's almost worth, if you don't have herpes or if you're not known to have herpes, it's almost worth it to say <laughs> at the start of a relationship, be like, I have herpes. What do you, wh how do you deal with that? And just, no, I mean, that's, I don't like, <laughs> deception is never something, but like. <laughs> so that's you know, maybe taking the screen in a little bit too far. The there are some other difficult far. questions you could ask. You don't necessarily have to go with that yeah. one. Exactly. That's a hard one to walk back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But you know, it, it gets down to what we do in our work with folks who are dating. And it's so hard to, to help coach folks to understand that the more that they demand for themselves, the better partner and the better match that they will attract themselves. Mm. And it's the, it's the weirdest thing. But if you ask for nothing, you'll get nothing. And and we see that. Yeah. And we see that with our clients who are leveling up their game and they're attracting these amazing people because they've leveled up their game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So in the coaching realm, like when you're dating, you know, when you're coaching singles or when you're coaching folks who are on the dating scene, you know, when it comes to really putting your bar up, are there other tips or strategies or mindset shifts that you talk about? For me, it's all about getting in touch with who you are as a person. So um, it's about understanding your own boundaries and your own um, your own position. Like, what is it I'm happy with? What is it I'm not? And then kind of staying true to, to who you are. Um, you know, we talked about boundaries before and boundaries aren't necessarily fixed in stone because then that, that is just kind of more of a drawbridge than a boundary. But it, but it is about really knowing who you are, really understanding kind of what makes you happy and what doesn't, and then going with that. Because if you present a version of yourself that isn't isn't true, that true version is just going to come out further down the lane, and then you end up with even more challenges and problems than you would do um, if you were just honest and and you were yourself yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Mm. So, yes. So I think, so what we're saying really is that, um, well, be who you are 
um be honest and open if you do have um a challenge with with herpes again be honest open share that communication take responsibility for who you are and um yeah just yeah. own it I yeah think. absolutely mm. yeah. it's not a barrier to love it's a facilitation to love like it is something that mm. yeah 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 absolutely. choose your life raft partner carefully oh god please do i listen please do that like oh this guy whatever he's so nice he buys me flowers no like when your kid is having an asthma attack for the seventh time this season and you're back into a merge what's this guy going to be like by your side like it's the hard stuff guys like i'm (laughs) i see parents i see moms who are you know with checked out husbands and stuff oh my gosh yeah so just yeah choose your life raft uh carefully yeah your life raft partner very carefully indeed yeah. indeed pack for the, the 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 storms don't pack for the uh the nice weather yeah all righty so right. we have a question let's do that okay so this week's question it takes two weeks to come around from an argument and i've had enough of it what should i do Oh, that is hard, isn't it? <laughs> and just as you've come around, you're like back in another argument. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, quite. I think my favorite part of this is, and I've had enough of it. No. <laughs> so, okay, then. Because <laughs> it's just one person. All right, let's this, stop then. <laughs> so true. So, so I, yeah, yeah, this is hilarious. Tell <laughs> what's coming up for you in this two week coming around from an argument. Like what is involved in this two weeks come around? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's loads in this. If you, if you ask me, there's loads in this question. So I think the whole that whole bit about I've had enough of it, I think just kind of smacks to me like, well, um, and what is your part that you play in all of this? Yeah. Like, where, where's your responsibility? What do you do to prevent this two week cycle? I think the two week cycle I can kind of understand um, because we get into these patterns. So like if that's your pattern of engagement and then eventually after two weeks, like what is it that happens that kind of breaks that? Do you both just kind of almost silently give in and forget all about it? So I I would kind of bet my bottom dollar that they're not actually talking about the argument or the kind of issues around it and therefore not actually ever solving anything. So they're in this kind of um, this cycle of just... I, I can only I can only think that it's happening because they're not actually able to communicate about what mm. you know they're not dissecting it they're not and I'm not saying you need to spend kind of weeks and weeks going over stuff and raking over all ground but you do need to understand kind of each other's points of view because the reason that you had an argument was because you've got differences and you're kind of you've let them get to such a point that you're airing them in a heated exchange right so that's what happens when we have an argument those differences are still there two weeks later and yeah. probably the next two weeks and then the next two weeks because I can, you know, I can almost stake my life on it that they're not resolving any of the issues. Oh, correct. And and I, I mean, f- from personal experience, here's my like two weeks, although my two weeks is more like five days, but um, <laughs> it's so big argument ensues, right? Mm. Um, and my pattern is I sort of sit on things and I'm totally fine until I'm not fine. And then the camel that straw that breaks the camel's back and then all of a sudden it's like you know you know grenades flying yeah and then i we say our piece there's sort of like this this uncomfortable ceasefire because i want to stay in that anger and i because Mm. my ego gets in the way so i go into silent treatment mode yeah 
and I'm very inaccessible and I there's no penetration of this sort of like cold cold war wall mm. and that lasts around four or five days when there's like the melting of the ice and slowly yeah. we can kind of get back into sort of even signs of affection which were sort of off limits during the cold war yeah uh, it's a horrible cycle it's yeah. horrible and I feel trapped in my own I just wish I could you know I mean we're coaches but we have our own issues so that's why I talk about <laughs> my own issues that's why I need a coach we've got our um, own shit going on we've got our own shit going on <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I just, and I think everybody, this whole, it takes two weeks to come around. It's because it's like bruised egos mm. and hurt pride and you don't want to let your defenses down, but you wish you could let your defenses down because you yeah. realize you're trapped and you're at the mercy of your own ego that. I don't think this person does realize this though. Like I really don't. Oh. I, I don't think there's any realization. Oh. I think that for me, what's coming across in this question is, um, this is this is my partner's fault. This is not my fault. This is their fault. And they need to fix it because I've had enough. <laughs> mm. So I kind of don't think that there is any realization of patterns or oh, any yeah. acceptance of any sort of responsibility. Ah, so if, if you've got somebody like this, like with low insight, mm. what are your probing questions to start to explore for any insight? So, and, yeah, so for me, I would look at the situation and really kind of dig around kind of what was happening before, what was happening, you know, what happens to you and what happens after. Mm. And then um, really then kind of go back to say, well, you know, how often does this happen? Has, you know, has this happened before? If yes, mm. how often? Um, and start to get some some realization. I would ask the question, can you see any patterns? Can you see any similarities between the argument, you know, three weeks ago and the one that you've just had? Mm. Um, like, can you see any any similarities occurring? Mm. And I would definitely be asking the question about what's your what what's the part that you play in this? Oh, yeah, because it's such a big um yeah. You know, and that's a difficult question, right? And it's because we want, and this is often why people seek the counsel of their friends, right? Because they want somebody to be on their side. Now, yeah. a coach isn't always going to be on your side. They are for the long haul, but they'll ask you tough questions that you might not like. Mm. Um, <laughs> my favorite response totally. in a coaching conversation is, oh, yeah, that's a hard question. Because you know that yeah. you've, you've hit on the right button, right? Yeah. Um, and when we go to our friends, we want somebody that's just going to agree and go, oh, yeah, he's completely not a shit. Like, you are totally <laughs> in the right. And um, he should never have done that. Um, yeah. You know, you want somebody to bitch, witch and, and moan with you, but it doesn't get you anywhere. No. All you're doing is to justify the position that you're in, which is a position you don't want to be in. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean... I don't have anything against arguing. I think that, you know, it is, it's a natural part of life. I think if we are foolish enough to believe that we're never going to have a row with our partner, then um, all we've got is artificial harmony and oh, and all the, the crap's going on below the surface, right? We're not dealing with it. We are parking so much kind of to one side that eventually the house is going to topple over because it's, mm. it's weighed down so heavy. So, uh, you know, I do believe that we do have arguments and that's a natural part of a relationship but it's how you recover from them is mm. the key part in this and there's no recovery here there's no there's no repair there's mm. no um ownership there's no responsibility um for the situation i'm not getting any of that from this question mm. oh i'm on my high horse today Ooh, true <laughs> true <laughs> yeah so i mean this is a hard question though do you think somebody this the person asking this question would they ever sign up for coaching well would you get those to contact you i mean the, the question yeah. is, is is there no insight where they're like i'm i don't want to coaching i don't need coaching my partner needs coaching but i don't need coaching so 
Would yeah. we even see somebody like this ring us up? Possibly not. No, and I think you're right. This whole thing around um, it's the other person that's got a problem. And and I guess this is a challenge out there for people who are listening. When you are faced with a situation and you genuinely, genuinely believe that your other half is at fault, ask yourself some questions around your own responsibility. How have I contributed to this situation? If I was going to do anything differently right now, what would it be? Or, you know, if I was going to take charge of this situation, what do I have to do? Um, Really ask yourself the questions because, you know, I often think that we need, we're expecting the other person to fix things for us. And, And part of that, I think, is around kind of, well, if they really loved me, then they would. (laughs) so we do that whole thing where it's like well I just want them to justify their love for me by um laying down in front of me and accepting the fact that they're in the wrong and um and I'm the one that's always in the right um I am always right in my relationship though Uh, well you're the (laughs) exception (laughs) you're the global exception (laughs) no um I totally know that I'm in the wrong like a lot of the time um but it took me a long time to admit it and mm-hmm. to say kind of and, and I think also we're not really great at saying sorry for things that we've done um, mm-hmm. because you know it's that kind of ego thing isn't it I don't want to admit mm-hmm. that I wasn't a good person in that moment mm-hmm. um, but here's mm-hmm. the thing right all of us will not be a nice person at some point mm-hmm. in our life all mm-hmm. of us will do something that we later think shit I shouldn't have done that oh yes so when I have a discovery call with with clients, um, with a couple, uh, generally there's one person who's reached out for the coaching Mm. and to their, and big, big props, the partner agrees to go along with. So I have two people sitting in front of me. One person has reached out for the coaching and says, we need to do this. The other person is like, okay, fine now. And so just to your point is when I, the, the expectation that I can feel in the room is that the person who called for the coaching is going to be the person who's deemed the right person. That's mm. the other person who needs to change. And part of my mission during a discovery call is to create a 50-50 environment to be able to open up the boxes. And it's and I and I have to give, you know, clients huge props. And they play like they play hard during a discovery call, and it can be the hardest thing for the person mm. who called for coaching to themselves find themselves under the magnifying glass yeah. in the same way that their partner is. So it can be, I, I will say it's very hard to see how you might have ownership, but I, if you want a quick and dirty, just sit with a relationship coach for an hour <laughs> and a half and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you can see some stuff that's like, Oh, okay. I, you know, to see your part in it is really inspiring because then there's something that you can fix because you can't fix somebody else. Yeah can't change somebody else you can change yourself yeah absolutely and you know connected with this question I think it is all about uh, you know what what is it that I can do to make this Mm. different like what how how can I stop the two-week cycle um you know and some of that is just being really observational and saying you know I, I think there's always a period of time that you do need to just calm down sometimes that might just be five minutes sometimes that might be an hour sometimes it might be 24 hours but I think you want to be seeking to repair as quickly as possible and I think it is about saying you know I recognize actually when we're in this situation it can take us two weeks to come out of it I don't want to wait two weeks to do that how, what right. suggestions do you have about how we could make it shorter or uh, how could we kind of how do we come back from this because I don't like that two week of silence uh, there's yes. ways to kind of to have that conversation I think but mm. yeah it does require some ownership and yeah. some tough tough conversations 
Yeah. Which we're just not great at. <laughs> we're not. Because it doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel cozy. Mm. It's not what we signed up for. You know, we signed no. up for hearts and flowers. We not, did. Not, <laughs> not responsibility and ownership. That's not what we signed up for. Right. Give well, me romance. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like buying a car, right? Like when you buy a new car and it's on warranty, like everything fits, everything works well. You turn the ignition on and it'll work, right? Mm. Um but as the time marches forward with you and your car, your car is going to develop breakdown and problems and things will need parts and more and more care and TLC and proactive measures and preventative yeah. measures. You're going to need to. So you got two choices. You can either do what most folks do in this cop- capitalist age as you just ditch the car <laughs> and get a new one. Or you work on your car and you keep it and then you get this beautiful vintage car that is just a wow and a stunner. But anytime you see a vintage car on the road, it's because somebody has put blood, sweat and tears and didn't give up. I'm loving that analogy. Hmm. Mm. I know. I just, I saw three young, young guys must be in their mid twenties in a, in a very rickety, like it looked like a model T Ford or something like Mm. bouncing down the road yesterday here in Toronto on a Sunday afternoon. And it, and to be honest, it was like a polluter like how, like it was just like, just, it was just so loud and, you know, belching, whatever. So that was the bad part of it. But these young gents just had smiles from ear to ear. Like they were like, we're the shit. We're just driving this like ridiculously yeah. like hundred year old car. Yeah. And they were just having a blast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You do need to put the work in. You do need to um, have that annual service. Um, yes. You know, have a little annual review. How's it going? Um, and your relationships are no different from that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And not just to how you're doing, but it has to get under the hood, like the oh, deep, yeah. darkest places of your relationship. Yeah. Because our, our first instinct is always, oh, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a coach, we're always like, dig a level deeper. Because yeah. that's our job. Our job <laughs> is not to stay, you know, washing the windows or replacing the window wiper fluid. It's... Yeah. Down the road, we're not even going to be talking about like radiators anymore, like electric vehicles. Like it's like all these parts of the car that I, I don't know, spark plugs. <laughs> we'll not need spark plugs anymore. It's crazy. I know. Anyways. Yeah. Oh, any final words of wisdom for this lovely person in, who at least had the insight to re- approach us with a question? Well, amazing. that was going to be kind of my final thing to say, actually, is despite the fact that I really genuinely feel like this person isn't taking responsibility they have they they did have enough awareness to say actually this isn't something I'm enjoying and to reach out and ask for some some help and some support so I think the fact that they've made that first step is great Um, now just carry on with the momentum and really tackle the the situation head on you know um it's it's obviously something that's that's getting to them it's it's affecting the relationship um so just kind of just get on it head first just Mm. tackle it yeah nice Mm. be brave (laughs) put your brave pants on and uh and go for it put your big girl pants on yeah yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) i think we brought that up last winter and it's getting to you know um my lovely friend on the yukon who now has the second shout out in the uh in in two weeks um she had uh, advised this these beautiful like woolen pants which she says are like northern chic and they indeed are and there's the like gorgeous like inners basically and it's inners weather we're getting back into winter we're like (laughs) putting on your big girl pants here is putting on your northern chic woolens so um yeah it's about time to put on a good big girl pants (laughs) oh absolutely yeah Yeah. all right well it was yeah 
I wish you good travels to Leeds and oh, uh, good you. partying with your daughter. Oh, it'd yeah. be nice to see her. Yeah. 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 And I shall um, share when I come back. Good, good, good. Don't do anything crazy. I'll try not to. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.